Thanks, you guys. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Friends Church. If you're hearing my voice, even if it's three years from now on a podcast, hello, how's it going? The Christian tradition starts as this kind of sacred thing called the Bible. And the very first word in the Bible is the word Bereshit, which means in the beginning. It's how everything starts. And each and every one of us that's here today, that's alive, in the beginning was what? Our mothers. Today is Mother's Day. And each and every one of us, if we're alive, it's thanks in some part to our mothers who carried us and gave birth to us. And so today I'm going to teach you something like a really old school church thing. It's called a reader response. You guys are going to get a line. I'm going to say something that you guys get a line. It's this line. Mothers, we thank you. So try it with me. Mothers, we thank you. On behalf of all the people who grew up with a mother who is the person who gave birth to them, who took care of them, one second, who took care of them, who nurtured them, who, you know, skinned their knee, who sent them to bed without supper, whatever that was, mother was that person for you. We say, mothers, we thank you. On behalf of people, I was thinking about Lindsay and uh, Justin, who just had a baby, I'd say a month ago, a little Reese, can't even speak yet. And so on behalf of all the little children who can't even say mother yet, who can't even speak, but they know mother deep in their soul, we say for them, mothers, we thank you. On behalf of all the people whose mother who raised them and nurtured them and took care of them wasn't the same mother who gave birth to them. All the people who had surrogate mothers, who had adopted mothers, who had mothers that were as broad as we can conceive. For those people we say, mothers, we thank you. On behalf of all the people who don't have mothers with them anymore, whose mothers have passed, like mine. On behalf of all those people, we say, mothers, we thank you. And on behalf of all the people who that word mother is complex in a million ways. I was reading about that this week, looking at all the different ways mothers is complex, and I could have preached for 30 hours on all the complexities. Instead, even in light of all the complexities and the trigger of that word, in the beginning was mother. And so we say, mothers, we thank you. All you mothers out there, we wouldn't be alive without you. We're grateful to you. Sometimes we get upset with you and that's okay too. But we all feel deep in our hearts, mothers, we thank you. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Friends Church. Uh, Welcome to those of you who are here today live and those of you who are joining us uh, online. My name is Alita. I'm part of the charitable giving team. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you. 
thank you to all of those of you who are giving um, charitably, who are um, able to help us out financially. That's what keeps us running. Um, whether you're able to give um, in cash or old school with a check, there's a black box at the back. You can give online at friendschurch.ca. And we also have the Friends Church app, the Spiritual Gym. So three ways to give. And we are so grateful and so appreciative. And maybe you haven't um, been giving charitably and you've been thinking about it for a little while and you're waiting for a sign. This is that sign. Um, so I'm here to give you a little nudge. And um, we really appreciate everyone who's able to help out, um, however much that might be for you. If you're not able to give charitably at this time and finances are a little tight, that's okay. We have other options too. We're running a casino. It's coming up just around the corner. And we're almost filled. We've filled almost all our spots. But we still have two main spots. And we also have two backup spots. Um, so if you have a little bit of time on your hands, you're looking for another way to get involved, we would really love that if you can go online, uh, Friends Church uh, slash casino, and that would be great if we can get a couple more people to sign up and lock this thing down. Thank you, Alita. Good morning, everyone. Let me also echo Vince's words. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms, to Alita as well. We're grateful for the roles that you guys, you women, have played in our lives. Uh, so years ago, uh, our family was with some people we knew fairly well. Uh, it's a number of families, actually, all together. And um, we didn't know all of them really well, but we probably would have called them all of them friends. We were playing games, and our kids were quite young, so we were playing... Uh, involving the kids, we had just the way the games were working, we were all divided into teams, and so parents were split up from their kids, kids were on different teams with other parents and people, and so anyways, a lot of fun. Games were going on, big competition, whatever. Had a blast. I came home that night, and my son was really upset. He, uh, there was one point in one of the games where he was needed to kind of deliver on some part in the game. The team was relying on him. And my son blew it. He didn't come through. Made the mistake, and one of the parents, the guy, he uh, kind of came down on him. Kind of criticized him. I don't know. Kind of ridiculed him in front of the team. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't see that going on. I, I was busy trying to win for our team. <laughs> we get home and my son is in tears. And as he starts explaining what happened and what this guy said, I, I just got angry. Uh, my son didn't say anything in the moment. He just put on a brain, brave face and, you know, kind of smiled. But yeah, it, it cut him deeply, I could tell. <sighs> what do you do with that? 
there was a side of me that just wanted to call that guy up and go, what? What are you doing? He's a kid. I wanted to rip a strip off him and go, you realize what you did to my kid? But I'm not the confrontational type. Like, me doing that? Do you know what I did? I kind of downgraded my friendship with that guy. That's the honest truth. I just, I, I made less of an effort to talk to him in the days after that. I just kind of subtly, passive-aggressively pushed him off to the side in my life. I thought, I don't think I really like you and what you're about. I mean, you can do a lot of things, but you hurt my kid? Mm. What would you do? I just thought, man, if I can't trust you with my own kids, I don't want you in my inner circle, man. I don't want you getting close to them. I'm not going to do that kind of thing with you again, that's for sure. But a lot of years have passed since that moment. And I look back at what's happened to our friendship since then. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of regret it. I regret how I acted. I regret what was lost in that relationship. Because I see them being friends with other people and I'm looking at them going, maybe I misjudged him. Maybe I... You know, in spiritual circles, in religious circles, especially in the Christian tradition, I think few of us would argue that one of the greatest indicators of a vibrant spiritual journey is loving others. Having a deep love for others. You know, uh, this way of behaving where you demonstrate just this deep concern for other people in, in our world around us. I mean, all throughout the Bible, it's littered with passages that speak of this, this critical mandate to love, to care, to give a rip about people around us. I mean, whether it's loving our brothers and sisters, it literally, the Bible is saying, gosh, if you can't love other people, this is a charade. If you're not feeling something in caring, concern for other people, I'm not sure all the work you're doing is leading to what it's supposed to be leading to. Whether it's your brother, your sister, or your neighbor, how many times the Bible says, give a rep about your neighbor. Care about them. This matters. If you can't do this, if you can't love that way, it's a wash. It's one passage where Jesus is just like going, man, and give a rip about the people that are in need, the people that have nothing, the people that are in prison, the people that are that are in a bad place. The spiritual journey really is supposed to somehow cultivate something inside us where we're going, I can't just watch that. I can't just pretend that I didn't see that. I gotta do something. But what about the difficult 
people in our lives? I guess that's my question today. The people who actually do or say things that are intentionally or unintentionally harming us or someone we love. What, what, what is our reaction supposed to be toward them? Is there an out? Jesus had something inter- interesting to say about that. He said, you know the law. There's a law out there that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He says, uh-uh. It's different with me. He said, if you love only those who love you, what reward really is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors can do that. If you are kind only to your friends, how different are you than anyone else? You know, Jesus didn't come right out and say it, but man, when I read that passage, it's like he's saying there's different levels of loving competencies. And in the spiritual journey, it's a journey toward loving deeper and wider, developing, cultivating a love inside you that's capable of loving not just the person that everyone loves. Do that with your eyes closed. But what about these people over here? What about that person in your life that you just find very difficult to love? There's different levels. I think about um, growing, I don't know how many of you took swimming lessons growing up. I, I, growing up in school, I did. And I, I, if you did, you'll know maybe what I'm talking about. These badges, anyone get any of those badges growing up? Okay, all right, there's a few, good. I loved, I don't know what it was about badges, but man, the idea that I was gonna, okay, that was the carrot on the end of the stick. Okay, I gotta learn a bunch of different things. Each year, they go, oh, Jeff, you got a yellow badge. And I go, what? yeah and then I'm like well what's the next one next year okay well I'm going after the orange badge you get learn these competencies then you get yellow and then it graduates to a green and blue and man if you really developed your swimming man you might get like I think they called it a bronze cross or junior lifeguards or uh, I never got there but man I wanted those badges so bad I, I couldn't tread water very well but I oh I just In some ways, I feel like Jesus was saying, look it. The spiritual journey is moving you through the badges. You're learning to love deeper and wider and not just for these easy people. For these, this this here, this is bronze cross stuff. Anyone, everyone can get the yellow badge. But if you're jumping into that spiritual gym and you're doing your work, one day, perhaps, the kind of love that courses through your veins is up in here in this bronze cross kind of stuff. To be honest this morning, that's what I want to talk about is what it takes to go there, what it looks like after tons of work in the gym, what kind of love, what it looks like, what it's capable of doing in this world, specifically with these people who are difficult to love. Because let's face it, we all got them. I'm guaranteeing you have had some or you have some right now or you will have. Some will have a coworker or a client who just makes these insensitive, offensive comments. They don't even realize it. Some are racist, sexist. You just go, I can't believe that's coming out of your mouth. Someone has a friend who you've lent money to. 
and they haven't paid you back and yet you're watching them spend money on all kinds of things. It's grating you. Someone has a boss who's playing favorites with others and you're not one of them. Or maybe they're expecting way too much of you and it's violating something inside of you. Someone has a roommate who's being very inconsiderate, not pulling their weight around the house, driving you nuts. Someone has an ex who isn't honoring his or her commitments that they made. Someone has a kid that's violating your own personal boundaries. Perhaps it's in-laws that are just interfering with your life or with your marriage or with your kids. Someone here perhaps has a friend who's hurt your own kid. These are the ones that I think Jesus was referring to when he said, you got to love your enemies. The ones that right now are just so difficult to look in the eye and feel a whole lot of love for. What does that even mean to do that? To love your enemy? I think all of us have our default reactions to how we treat the enemies in our lives, don't we? Some of us are fighters. Man, we just want to retaliate. We want to make them pay. Huh? It's like, oh, you want to do that? It's coming back, pal. Watch your back. Watch that on the ice last night. It's the flames. And <laughs> someone takes a cheap shot in there. And you can see as they're walking off, buddy, keep your head up. You see, some of us are wired that way. We're like, I got the, just the right thing for this guy. And I'm waiting for the right moment. Some of us are wired that way. Some of us aren't fighters. Some of us, we just are avoiders. We take flight. We're the cancelers. We just say, you are dead to me. Unfollow. And they're calling, they're texting, and it's just like, there's no response. I don't want to, I, I want to pretend you're dead to me. Some of us fall somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. Maybe you're all over the, maybe some days with some people you're the fighter. Some, some, some days you're just the canceler. Maybe you're the person that's just denying everything. You don't want there to be any problems. And so you just put on the brave smile and say, no, I'm fine. No, you don't want to ruffle feathers. You don't want to create more problems. But you go to bed at night and there's a deep burn there is a cold, callous resentment that's growing inside you. You may not say it, but you're clenching your teeth toward that person. You're going, dare you say that? How dare you do that? I don't know. What is your default? Where on that spectrum do you typically lie? Where do you go when someone has violated you or someone you love in a deep way? Or even in a little way? I don't know, but when Jesus says, love your enemies, I'm not certain that he's referring to any of those responses. I'm not certain of that. But if it's not that, then what is the right response? What, what can we do to cultivate the love toward those kinds of people? You know, there's been a lot of work done studying human behavior in these difficult situations when people act poorly insensitively, selfishly, trying to figure out the best solutions 
to deal with these broken promises, broken commitments, insensitive, selfish behavior. Well, how, how do communities bounce back from this? So much of the research points to one clear kind of way through. And it all seems to hinge on communication, a conversation. When communities have been studied, they found the healthiest communities that were able to withstand the most brutal human behavior, they're the ones that were skillful in bringing whatever happened to the surface and staying there and getting it all talked about, talked through. They had an ability to do that. This is what I would call a very awkward conversation. How many know what I'm talking about? Something bad's gone on. Someone says, you need to talk to them. You're like, I have other ideas. Some have called these conversations fierce. Whole bunch of work done around that. Some have called them crucial conversations. You pick your name. I call them awkward. I, I'm not the confrontational type. So I'm just like, oh, uh, so bad. So much bad could go wrong there. I, mean, I, can, I go and talk to that about that. They all seem to be pointing to the power of having an awkward conversation. So this morning, I just want to, I want to talk about what that could look like. Because in the end, if something we could do or to learn how to do could lead to more loving response. We end the charade. We end the fake pats on our backs for how loving we are to our best friend or to our spouse or to our loving father. And we could actually look at the way that love is coursing through our veins toward people that the world around us is looking at and saying, how, how are you doing that? What I want to talk about this morning is not exhaustive, but I think... They are some skills that could help you dramatically. Because I'm betting there's someone listening to my voice, either here this morning or someone on this podcast or through the live stream that's in there and you have a conversation you need to have right away. And I'm glad, if you haven't had it yet, I'm glad I caught you in time. Because I want to give you some food for thought before you head into that thing. Man, if we could employ some of this stuff. Oh, let's talk about starting with the heart. They... The experts talk a lot about the important preconditioning that has to happen before you step up to talk about what went down. Maybe, maybe before I start talking about this, maybe you can think about your own person, someone in your life right now who you think, Oof, I've probably been dodging that thing. Or maybe you've already had round one and it went bad. Maybe you haven't talked in a while and now it's just awkward. There's this massive elephant in the room. Uh, Who is that? Who is that person in your life? Be thinking about this as I start into this. Starting with the heart. A little pre-work needs to be done before you even look them in the eye. You know, when I heard that this family friend had said those things to my son, the truth is, his image that I had of him in my mind changed dramatically. 
this certain picture of him. Like, man, he's such a neat guy. Someone I want to get to know a lot better. He's, it seems so fun. He's such a good dad. I had all these things. When that all happened and word got back to me, you know what happened? He became a monster. <laughs> That's the truth. I'm just like looking, I'm going, how could anyone say that kind of thing to a kid? A kid. I started, it, it was just right in front of me. It just started, he started morphing. It's weird how that happens. Instead of thinking about all the different interactions I had with him. When that starts to take hold, your heart is not in a good place. You may be feeling like incredibly angry. You might look at it as just a very black and white issue and just going, man, I do want to rip a strip off this person. It's funny, I didn't call him, obviously. But I started talking about what had happened with Kathy. Started bringing it up with him. It was weird. I started bringing it up with a few people. I just broke all the rules. But I was upset. And I was wanting people to validate what I was upset about. I wanted them to say, damn right, Jarvis, you got to take him out. I started talking about this. It's funny, Kathy, one day, started saying, well, Jeff, you've done that. <laughs> I looked at her, and I was like, no, I would never do that. <laughs> it was so self-righteous. She said, well, you do that all the time. I said, I never would do that. So she says, okay, well, so let's just talk about this for a second. What about... She started naming off these different scenarios where I'd be playing sports. She goes, what about when you call out one of your buddies on your team? Oh, that's completely different. That's, that's just what we do. Really? Has anyone ever been upset when you did that? Well, yeah, but that's their... Pr- there were a couple times as she began to just put up the mirror where I began to see something I just couldn't see in that moment it just because you know how you do it well that's not the same that's not the same I'm not that I'm not that but what ends up happening is we begin or we can begin to cultivate what they call empathy where you just begin to put on their lenses and you look at them at this scenario through their eyes At one point, Kathy said, you've done that to me, Jeff. Do you remember back when we were in that volleyball tournament? We weren't even married yet. Remember that? And she said, I wasn't playing well in the faces you were giving me. You wouldn't even talk to me on the court. I'm going, oh, Kath, I was 19 years old. I didn't... Empathy has this powerful thing when you actually are willing to imagine yourself as the person 
that did it. And just think about all the complicating factors to the behavior that led to whatever they did to you or did to someone you love. It has this amazing thing of melting the heart. You begin to realize, wow, yeah, they did have a rough childhood. Yeah, it's true. Their dad always was so critical of him. Yeah, he is going through financial trouble right now. Cultivating empathy, where you just begin to see through their eyes. Now, we've done messages on this in the past. So I'm not going to go into this, but I'm telling you, being able to look into their life and imagine them leading up to that thing can do wonders for softening the heart. So let me just ask you a question. How good are you at doing that? If you look back to some of your blowouts, some of your times when you was one of those unlovables, how likely was it for you to just step back Step into their shoes for a bit and imagine. Give yourself a score. How about do that? Give yourself a score. Scale of one to ten. Spiritual work might move the dial. If you're a four right now, maybe, maybe over the next year you could move it to a five. Some work, some practice. Another bronze cross skill set of having awkward conversations is being able to be very clear about what it is you're upset about. I don't know about you, but I don't know how many times I've stumbled into one of those awkward conversations. I didn't even necessarily intend to go there, but someone says something like, what's your problem? I go, what's my problem? (laughs) And it's on. But I haven't thought through everything that I'm upset about or how I'd even say it. It's just zero to 60. So I point out, you took that without even asking. <laughs> That's what you're upset about. Sorry, I've seen you do that. I've seen... It's not, no. It's the fact that you've been doing a lot of that. Well, wait a second. What are you saying? You call me a thief? No. No, I'm not saying that. And all of a sudden, they're like, well, what exactly are you saying here? I'm sorry. Okay, I'm putting it back. Okay, I'm sorry. But that doesn't, something inside doesn't fix that. And I begin to realize, no, there's more to this than just that. There's other things that are bothering me that haven't been addressed. Have you ever gotten there? Where it's like they go and fix that one thing and you're going, all right, we're all good. And you're going, hmm. Experts point to an acronym. In this book, Crucial Conversations, the authors use this acronym called CPR. It stands for Content, Pattern, and Relationship. It's just referring to multiple levels of the relationship that you can address in one of those con- in one of those conversations. Probably the most shallow level is the C, the content. It's the thing they simply did in that moment. Now, it might just be one little thing that someone did that ticked you off. And maybe it's simple as just saying, 
I need to talk to you about something you said today that bothered me. You keep calling me by my wrong name. <laughs> and that, just, it just bothers me. Can I ask you to change that? It might be as simple as that. And if you're lucky, you'll nip them off and have those awkward conversations quick enough that it just stays at that level. But when it doesn't stay at that level, when all of a sudden there develops a pattern beyond that, a pattern, that's the P, the CPR, it drops to another level. It's not just the one behavior. You can see a pattern to the way that this person is behaving that now is creating problems for you on a greater scale than a one-time event. Sometimes you don't have to so much stay at that level. Really the topic is the P, 